0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more
2: at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Well,
1: hello, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023, and this is our 347th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind the scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, I am on location in Lower Manhattan at the world's most awarded pub with its impressive managing director, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. <laughs> First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we'll have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. And also, just to note for my regular listeners, I had a little rescheduling between the past week and next week, so uh, you can stay tuned. Next week, um, my guest is going to be chef and owner Selassie Atadika of Meduna, so um, stay tuned for that. Okay, so as the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to read the room. Pay attention to your audience, your clients, and your guests. Sure, it's good to have a plan and think ahead, but it's also important to think on your feet and be able to adapt, taking in your surroundings and observing others' body language in anticipation of their needs. So let's always be aware of what's going on around us and be flexible with our actions, as it will help enable our growth, opportunity, and success. That's my tip today. Okay, I am thrilled to be on location with Jack McGarry. He is the managing partner of The Dead Rabbit, the world's most awarded pub located in Lower Manhattan. Jack is internationally known for his extensive historically-based beverage programs, Among his accolades in July 2013, he was honored with the prestigious Tales of the Cocktail International Bartender of the Year Award, its youngest ever recipient, and only the second in America. The Dead Rabbit has received extensive acclaim since its opening in 2013, with highlights including taking the number one spot on the 2016 World's 50 Best Bars list, and there are so many more accolades to name, <laughs> but this is a forty-five minute-ish show. So let's get started. Hi, Jack. Welcome Hello. to the show.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm I'm thrilled to be here off hours ish. Well, downstairs you kind of have a little bit of a
3: Yeah, and the top room is open and the top room is open from midday to two to three AM and the parlor or second floor opens at five o'clock. So we yeah, we have a bit of a bit of time until that rooms but you're, it's not quiet because there's people being crazy with ice and all, all of that good stuff so Aww, I like I
1: like a little background bar restaurant
3: yeah, noise. It, yeah. it, it makes it like sh- sh- it makes it uh, real life yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly so so speaking of real life let's go back a bit yeah. tell me tell me about your background um growing up in Ireland yeah and and what led you into the bar business
3: yeah so I started well I was Born, uh, 1989, the 1st of January, 1989. I was the second baby born in Ireland that year. So I think I was born with a chip on my shoulder because the baby, who was number one was, was on the front page and I was in the corner, but, uh, totally irrelevant. Um, so yeah, I was born in, uh, in Belfast and in North Belfast. And that was during the time of the the troubles and the the sort of the civil conflict. And I grew up, I, I went through school and I, uh, I when I was in school I I moved around a lot because of the the unrest and and, uh, I eventually got settled in a good school when I was about 12 or 12 or 13 and uh, it was a big leap up going to this new school and I had done a chemistry exam and I did the chemistry exam and and the teacher had read the results from the top person who who scored the top and, and right down to the bottom and I came in dead last and uh, it was the third period that day and I remember leaving right after the the, the teacher had read out the exams and uh, we had our break and I remember sitting there with my piece of toast or whatever it was and I, uh, I basically said that that was the last time I was ever going to let anybody say that I came last in anything and, that, and that's what sort of burned my desire to, to be the best version of myself so it was not a, obviously in reflection not a great teaching moment um, cause it's, it's, it's like wrapped in shame, but I, I'm thankful for it. And hindsight And and I went on, I, I did well at school, but during my last couple of years at school, when I turned 15, I was constantly going to my mum and dad and asking for money, asking for a land of 10 pounds or 20 pounds and, or 50 pounds or, or whatever it was. And and this particular time I'd asked for a brand new pair of shoes that were like a hundred pound and my mum and dad are working class. Um, and they said. My mom actually said, if you want something in life, you've got to go out and, and, and get it. And uh, she she was like, you need to get a job if you want all these things. Because you, you said back home to your parents, I want a land of 10, 20 pounds, but you were never paying it back. Um, so she had just had enough. So I, my, through the family, they ran a bar down the street from me. It was called The Hunting Lodge. And uh, it was just no, no thrills type of bar, pints and, and spirit mixers and that type of thing. And I got hired as a glass collector um, cleaning ice trays and picking up glasses and filling fridges and what we would call a barback now. But uh, yeah, I started out and I love the pace of it. And uh, I, it was very quickly, I knew that I could, like when I my first day, the the, the, the bar manager said, you're never going to be as good as the last barback. And it goes back to that sort of chemistry exam. I was like, well, I'm going to show you how, how good. So I just worked, worked extremely hard, but I love the hustle and bustle. Um, I, I love the social aspect. I really come out of myself when I, when I started in the industry. And, and then I just started hopping around bars with my cousin who ran the bar. He got other opportunities to, to run bars in the city center. And uh, that was my first experience of cocktails. And I seen a guy, who was trained by a very famous Australian bartender called Marco Ferron. So he was flown over from Australia to teach all of these bartenders in Belfast how to make cocktails because there was no cocktail scene. At, at that time, and um, this this one fella, Karen Breen, was making a round of drinks for, for two sets of couples, so two two fellows and two two women, and uh, he made these drinks, and the way he moved, and the way he was just in control, and the the way that everybody was captivated by him, and uh, he sets these drinks down, and, and they have a sip, and they're just blown away, their eyes light up, and it's like wow, that's incredible, how, like that was theater, and then. They got something and the, their whole experience with it. I thought it was just incredible how how and how different it was from the the sort of commodity commodity pub thing where people just go in for a transactional pint versus that real experience and hospitality. And and that's what really sucked me in. So I started working more with that guy. And then that one thing began another. And I got an opportunity to work in the merchant hotel when I just turned 18 years old. Um, and because I, I decided like if I'm going to do this, I want to do it to the absolute highest level. And the merchants at that time were bringing over the likes of Sasha and and uh, Gary Reagan and Dale DeGroff and Audrey Saunders. And I was like, I was doing really well at school and I was doing really well in the industry, but I decided at that point, like I can do this at the, to a great level and I'm passionate about it. Um, when all my other friends were 17, 18 years old, going out and getting hammered, I was sitting in the house reading Harry Craddock or, or, uh, or Harry Johnson, you know, that's what I was doing. Um, and yeah, it just took off from there. So with a merchant, um, I, w- I worked with my, my ex-business partner. He, we, we separated our last year. And uh, he basically gave me the platform to run the bar, where he focused on like the bigger vision and strategic side of things. And, and after a couple of years, we won three Tales of the Cocktail one year, and then the following year, one World's mm-hmm. Best Bar. And then it was during that time that we befriended an angel investor of the bar called Connor Allen. And uh, he was like, you guys need to come to the New York and, and open a bar and, and open your version of of the world's best bar, a bar that's not going to be here today and, and gone tomorrow. And that's what precipitated us bringing together our love of Irish pubs together with cocktail bars and then framing it in an Irish-American story, which is obviously the Dead Rabbit story. So, so yeah, it's been that's obviously a super condensed version of, of my career, but uh, then the Dead Rabbit opened, and, and obviously, the rest is the rest is history. You know, it was yeah. it's been it's been crazy ever since, and we're we're on the precipice of ten years old now, which is defies logic. It's crazy. I can't believe it's ten years.
1: It's amazing. All right, we're done here. That's your whole story. That's like <laughs> wow. There was so much in that, and no, you have it down. And I mean, what I, mean, I said so many thoughts with what motivates you, or what motivated you to yeah. to really go for it and and be the best you could be. And you've um, uh, so when so when you set out to, to to come to the U.S. or was it particularly New York that you wanted to to come to? Oh yeah, it was always New York.
3: It was always okay. New York. Yeah, because New York in the eyes of the world is like, I know the capital of America is DC and people have this thing with LA and stuff. But as far as like a European is concerned yeah. or an Irish person, New York is, is where it's at. And New York was up until that point that we came over, it was considered. And I still think it is to, to a large degree. It's the cocktail capital of the world. Do you know, I know you've got those emerging markets now in Barcelona and Singapore and stuff, but but New York's very much still, in my opinion, and I'm, I'm obviously yeah. very biased because I've been here now 12, 13 years. I still believe New York's New York's where it's at. You know, in terms of like the cocktail scene and the the the, hot, the, the bartenders and the culture. I th- I still think it's ahead of of everybody else.
1: Yeah, I agree, and it's interesting you name those two cities because those are two cities I've been to, and when I was, and I've checked out the the cocktail scenes both of them actually when i was in singapore several years ago by myself and we'll get to this in a little bit but i don't drink alcohol and i went bar hopping because because it has a strong really strong um that's crazy yeah well it
3: was one year they came they had like five bars in the top 15 or 20 so we we actually just got on a we got on a plane and we're like we need to go and check this out and completely blown away because it's very easy as you, you know yourself you're in your own bubble your own echo chamber and you think the sort of world spins around New York, but once you get out and about in the world, you realize very quickly that it doesn't, which is a great thing. Do you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, true. But I also relate with New York because i yeah. I moved here. I've been here since ninety yeah. eight, and yeah, there's. Oh, so some, you're a lifer. Well, I always think <laughs> it's funny because I think about moving, and then I'm like, I yeah, don't, I probably, yeah, I'm little. probably a yeah. lifer. Um, but okay, so 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 talk a little bit about uh the dead rabbit yes. like the the people who don't know the history and yeah. why it is named that because also side note I've always had rabbits my whole life yeah. and I think I think um I think I once mentioned it I don't know uh maybe to a family member of mine like that's the name and i'm like i'm I like a lot of
3: people yeah I'm would like yeah been, it's yeah.
1: the name it's yeah. an amazing amazing best bar yeah. but um yeah it has nothing to yeah, do sure. with my little
3: no my we're little not we're not condo- we're not uh, condoning the slaughtering of, <laughs> of, uh of animals but a lot of people actually when we when we christened the bar or baptized the bar if you will there was a lot of uh <laughs> flack about it um and we had to, to, to work through that. But the name goes back to a gang that was was, uh, was in New York that was founded to basically protect Irish immigrants when they arrived over after the the uh, potato famine. So that's that's where the name comes from. It's based in the 19th century. And that movement, that so you, you had two worlds coexisting in lower... Well, you still have two worlds coexisting today with this in, inequality and stuff like that. But... You had the working men's, because they were primarily men at that point, Um, the the working person's taverns in in Water Street, which were, if you've been to McSorley's, it -hmm. was those those types of bars, sawdust on the floor, pints and completely debaucherous. Um, And then coexisting with that sort of squalor of of Water Street, you had the splendor of Lower Broadway. So that's where the first luxury hotel was, the City Hotel. You had Orzimus Willard who was the first celebrity bartender, Shed Sterling, Harry Johnson, Jerry Thomas. So you had this squalor and splendor. And there was one guy who was a one-time leader of the Dead Rabbit, who transcended both those lives. And he was an Irish guy called John Morrison. He was a one-time leader of the Dead Rabbit. So we were like, that's the perfect, the perfect name. We wanted a name that basically explained that we were a pub because before the Dead Rabbit opened, the bars were dominating. Then you would have had the likes of Milk and Honey, Death and Company, like Prohibition, rules, uh, uh, even the merchant, before we left the merchant, there was a set of stirs that brought you up into the cocktail bar. And see for normal Belfast people, those stirs may as well have been Mount Everest because it was just so not accessible. So we wanted to really democratize um, the, the cocktail scene. We wanted to do great, pu- great pub and, and great cocktails together. And, uh, and, but you can't just open a pub and a cocktail bar and have it not make sense. So that's the reason why we called it the Dead Rabbit. And there was that thread that brought it all together. Yeah, you
1: know, no, it's a good, it's a, it makes sense. It's a yeah. good backstory. So talk about so when you when you opened and still today you have yeah. you have more than one concept in the same space because yes. you have the tap room, the parlor, and, and the
3: occasional room. Yes,
1: yeah, the occasion
3: room. Yeah, well, so But that
1: started, did that that start later or those? No, all, we did that right all from, all from the, the beginning. beginning. Yeah, okay. so
3: the bars in that time would have been, um, you would have had the tap room, which would have been. Again, these are not terms that I would use, but they would have been the more commoner room, that's where your beers and like your pub. So we basically meant the top room like our pub. The parlor would have been your more refined um, cocktail, like the, the cocktail lounge. And then the occasional room would have been what you use for events or occasions. Um, and the only other room that we were missing to be perfectly historically accurate would have been like an inn. So you would have had floors for people to stay. But obviously, you're not. we're, we're too small for that. And um, by the building. Yeah, so well, we we got the building next door, but we're still. Okay. Too, I don't want to get into the hotel business. Um, but but yeah, so we started with that with the three rooms, and that's still very much a part of the New York story. So the downstairs is our is our version of like the ultimate Irish pub, um, where we focus on food, authenticity, cocktails, our Guinness, our Irish whiskey, our Irish coffee, and 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 speed. And then upstairs, we just take everything to a much higher level. Um, so we still we still have that, obviously, but with us growing into New Orleans and Austin and, and afar, it's the top room that we're going to be scaling um, because we really want to change the conversation and the representation of Irish culture in America. A lot of it, that I was actually speaking to Dave Undries, who I'm sure you know um, last week, and he called it leprechaun, uh, leprechaun porn in terms of the representation of Irish culture in America. It's leprechauns, top of the morning to you, corned beef and cabbage. It's but all of those things are not congruent with Irish culture. And as you can see sitting in this room and and walking through the other floors, every single piece of art is from a contemporary Irish artist or photographer or printmaker or or crafts. We have a lot of the crafts on display here in the third floor. And it's the same with the music. It's the same with the the, the beer, the whiskey. We want to make sure we're changing the conversation and authentically showcasing what Irish culture is about. Um, And that's a big thing for us as we grow because I'm petrified of, and it goes back to the point of the chemistry exam, I'm petrified of me- mediocrity and I don't want to, when we grow, I don't want to lose the integrity of this place, the, the authenticity. So it's stuff like that. We're really focusing on for our next 10 years. If, if, if that makes sense. It makes
1: sense. Yeah. Yeah. So 10 years,
3: I know crazy, right? Yeah. Crazy.
1: Time flies.
3: Yeah. It's crazy. Cause some, it depends what day you catch me. Some days I'm like, Oh God, I feel every, every day of the 10 years or every year of the 10 years and other days like today, I'm like I can't believe that that's ten years because it just went like it went like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a it's a it's a lot to think back and, and absorb because we've we've went through a lot of adversity, we've went through a lot of like difficult moments. But I'm glad because every single thing that happened made us ultimately better. Um, so, but it's been an incredible journey, and they met the amount of people that have come through our doors, and and team members, and customers, and. Like it's, it's, that's what the thing with dead rabbit and it sort of makes me almost uncomfortable having conversations, like me being the one person to talk about it. Because to me, dead rabbit is everybody owns a piece of dead rabbit, you know, through their experiences and the time that they've put in here and, and the ideas that they've imprinted and, and, you know, so it's, I'm just delighted to be, to be a part of this dead rabbit community. And I'm excited to, to grow this community as, as, as we get bigger into the other markets. So it's. It's an amazing time to look back and, and be thankful, but while also paradoxically saying like as I just said, the all the all the things that we're focusing on focusing on as we grow, it's a great time for us to go right, what are we doing for our next ten years, you know? Yeah.
1: So your next your opening your next location is Austin or New Austin, Orleans yeah,
3: or so both? Us, okay. Well both, but not at the same time. So all, we're trying to keep like a cadence of six months okay between the stores to make sure we do it well. Um and we're we're overstacking we're investing in the big things that we think are going to be critical for us growing. So our leadership capabilities, our cultural capabilities with our our, our team members, um, our operational effectiveness and, and infrastructure, um, making sure we have the systems and process to facilitate the growth of the company, and then also our marketing effectiveness. So obviously, you know, we work with, with Gia from Fox Club, and we have a, an amazing creative partner based in Belfast called Crown Creative. So we have, we're investing heavily to make sure that when we grow, we have the right everything's right as, as we get bigger. Um, and I'm sure we're missing something or we're making mistakes, but I very much like, I, I'm, a, I like to test hypotheses, and if it's not right, then we quickly move on to the, to the next thing. But, but yeah, Austin will be in the summer of this year. New Orleans will be at the back end of this year. And then we're looking at a cadence of two to three bars a year for the next five years. So it's, it's pretty, pretty aggressive and ambitious. But I think we've got an amazing opportunity with Dead Rabbit to really tell the story of what's happening in Ireland right now. Do you know, when you come into the bar, you'll hear a uh, a Zambian immigrant who's based in Ireland singing R and B, you know, as opposed to you go into some of these so called Irish bars in Times Square and you hear drop kick Murphy's on the on the, <laughs> on the on the on the playlist and there's there's like T V screens everywhere and it's the shamrock and stuff, it's, it's it's completely not representative of what's going on in Ireland. So I'm incredibly passionate excuse me. I'm incredibly passionate about that version of Ireland and, and really demystifying like it's not just shamrocks and shillelis and, and all of those things. There's a whole bunch of other great stuff that, that, that we wanna that we wanna showcase. And that actually goes back to the, what the Dead Rabbit gang was created for, because when the Irish immigrants moved over here at that time in the nineteenth century. They were the, the like the Islamophobia of today. That was what the Irish experienced back then. You know, um, before they assimilated. So, they they the Dead Rabbit Gang was created to protect and advance Irish immigrants. And and I look at what Dead Rabbit does is we're brand ambassadors for Ireland. Do you know, that's what we're really here. We're really here to, the temporary like somebody that walks through your door. You walk through our door. You're coming to Ireland for an hour or two hours or three hours before you go into the craziness of New York or, or Austin or New Orleans. So I take that responsibility extremely seriously.
1: Yeah. Well you do it. And I'm thinking that is, I was going to ask you why like you've, you've gotten so many accolades, which I believe are very well deserved. But like, why do you think you've gotten all these accolades? Because I mean, I think it's because of your passion and what you're bringing, uh, everything you just talked about, the authenticity of what you're doing.
3: I think it's because we're a bit nuts, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and that's yeah. the,
1: the other thing I yeah, was going to
3: say. <laughs> uh, I think anybody who achieves these things, yourself included, it's every, it takes you to be a bit, like you have to be a bit out there and obsessive and passionate and like you really care about something that somebody else doesn't really care about. But that's that's what I'm all in on. And, and, and that has changed and evolved over the years as it has for anybody else. When I first started in the industry, it was all about me. Like I wanted to be recognized. Again, it wasn't, like um, without being objective, or anything, it wasn't Palmer Anderson that I had on my wall when I was a kid. Like my friends, mm-hmm. it was it was the bartenders, it was Charles Vaxnett and Rich Hunt who were winning the best cup bartenders in England and and the UK. That was what I was. I I wanted to be known as the as the best bartender in Europe or in in the world. And that was that's a very narcissistic, self serving sort of goal. Like you like I, I need this external recognition to validate who I am and, and when I when I won that award, I think I was twenty two or twenty-three and uh that's really like that's I'm uh, seven year or no, not even four years into my cocktail career and I had achieved the dream and, and I really I realized coming off the stage, literally as soon as my feet hit the end of the stairs coming off the stage, I'm like, this is empty. Like I feel absolutely nothing. Like it, it was like I was chasing this thing and I got it. And then I'm like, what does this even
0: mean? Yeah. And
3: um it, that sort of precipitated a spiral of like depression and anxiety and, and uh and obviously i'm uh, i don't drink like you like yourself and when i went through that whole process i i basically realized that the thing that i felt that i connected with the thing that drove me all the way through my career is passion f- for excellence for attention to detail for for being all in and whatever we're, we're focused on and and then that changed to excuse me, that change to becoming a great business, becoming a great, uh, uh, not being recognized as being the, uh, the best bartender no, bar in the world, but being the best the best place to work for in the world, making sure we're really looking after people, making sure that we've, we're, we're looking after the people of Ireland, we're telling the story, right? So there's a lot of other, like, actually big things that are other-focused instead of me-focused, that that's what gets me out of bed in, in the morning, you know, because it, it would be very easy at this point to say, like, the Dead Rabbit's successful, just let it be and, and write that out and until the end. But I don't, I I genuinely don't believe we've even got we've even scratched the surface yet. You know, so that's that's what yeah. excites me.
1: Yeah. Well, I I mean, just talking to you, I see it, I feel yeah. it, I hear it. It's it's what's in you. It's your passion, and it's <coughs> it's amazing what drives us. I mean, yeah. just listening to you, I'm thinking like, what drives me? Because yeah. yeah, like, why do I do all this stuff I do, and what, what want to be the best I can be yeah. at it? Because it's something like in you. Yeah. I would. But, you know, talking about the, all the accolades you have gotten over the years, obviously, I mean, brings people in the door. And yeah, yet, absolutely. You know, like, absolutely. like adds, like...
0: Yeah. Your,
1: to get to, to to be here for 10 years and now to be expanding and, yeah. like, all of that, like, you know, it's it's um, it's, I, it's helpful. Yes, it's that. <laughs> I mean, and
3: that's the thing. It's, a, I get, I like, it's one of the things I struggle with in the, in the world today because everything's so... Like you're either this or you're that, and -hmm. there's no, where I'm very much, I think I believe in part, I believe like you can have one view that's contrary to another view, but you can be passionate about both, even though they don't make sense. Um, so I have a, I I now have an ambivalent relationship for towards awards because of my experience with them, but that's not to say they they have a great place and and they shine a light on, on people and they elevate people and give people platforms. Um, and I, I believe it's all about how you, you utilize those platforms and doing it for, for good. And that's really what we're seeking to do now in terms of like making sure we're really taking care of our people, making sure we're a good corporate or a good community citizen, a good, a well-behaved company, making sure that we're investing in in what we believe in through our philanthropy, through our partnerships, through the art. Like we're, we're, we're our basically the dead rabbit is lifting... The tags that we're focused on you know what we're reg- regimentally focused on so so yeah awards have been great for that you yeah, know when yeah. we won the awards our, our business went up like we won world's best bar in 2016 and uh it added a million dollars in revenue wow but it also added a hell of a lot of problems because everybody's interpretation of the world's best is very different you know yeah. there's some person that's a five-star hotel bar and if that five-star hotel bar comes a dead rabbit and they're like a pub like Not a, a shitty Irish yeah. pub yeah like you know so there was a distance there was a dissonance there and um but it ultimately forced us to be better because we had to get next door we had to invest in food we had to invest in a proper kitchen we had to invest in training and and onboarding and, and benefits and and all of those things so ultimately again I look at everything through the lens of even the worst the, the worst of things when we had the fire when the when the coronavirus pandemic shot everything i'm looking at it like what can we do how can we optimize this how can we learn from this and uh thankfully touch wood every time we've had one of those setbacks i have come back better and the business has come back better and and yeah that's all i guess that's all you can do but awards for sure i'm not sitting here saying awards are important yeah no important. i know yeah. what
1: you're saying you know it's i i yeah. get it yeah. completely makes sense how are you celebrating your 10 years you're doing like. Ten days of festivities.
3: Yeah. So, as you know yourself, a lot of these bars and restaurants, when they have, uh, and it's not the, the the calm down on them, but it's, it's uh, they, they they it's basically like let's get the gang back together and mm-hmm. and celebrate the ten years past. And uh, to be honest, that's I we we've made a lot of mistakes in the, our first ten years. We've obviously made a lot of a lot more good decisions. Right. But. I don't really want to focus on what we did the past 10 years. I want to focus on what we're potentially going to do in the next 10 years. And I wanted to use that as, an, as a moment to showcase like our pillars. And, and we identified all of this during the pandemic and, and all of that. So the, the, the big thing for me is celebrating the authenticity of Ireland through this next 10 days. So we're bringing over five artists from Ireland, two comedians. We're having Guinness sessions with the, the, the American brand ambassador for Guinness. So everybody gets to know how to pour a perfect pint. We're having Irish whiskey sessions with, with Irish whiskey experts. We are bringing the best bar in Ireland, the best cocktail bar in Ireland called bar 1661. They're coming and taking over the parlor for four days. We've never done that before. Um, So we're doing a lot of these events that are celebrating the leading edge of Irish culture. Um, And that's, yeah. And that's, that's what we we're going to be like. That's the taste of the type of things that we're going to be spreading as, as, as we grow. So I'm looking at it very much as a, as a future-focused, like what, here's what the next ten years going to look like, while obviously saying thank you to everybody that's been part of our journey. Of of course, um, we're also doing a panel um, uh, talking about what's co- what the industry is going to look like in the next ten years. You know, I, I think we, as an industry, you see these things about Noma and suicides, and in this industry, you see like you see people talking about uh, the tipped minimum wage, the the lack of health care. You, you see these things. I think we need to start talking about these things. We need to figure out how we can we can be better and make this industry more inclusive, more professional and, and remove like we've got past the point now of talking about here's how to make a great old fashioned. We need to talk about how do we be great businesses, how do we be get great uh, like strategists, how do we how do we walk or talk. We need to we need to wrestle with those bigger issues. Um, so I'm excited for for to celebrate everything that we're focused on, whilst also talking about the difficult things, um, because that's the stuff that we're wrestling with. We're wrestling with uh, in the next month, the two months we're launching and implementing our healthcare program. We're we're talking about like all of these big societal things. We're trying to figure out how do we do this well. We're, we've launched our philanthropy arm, which we've uh, set aside forty thousand dollars already, and we're not even out of Q one yet. Um, so. I'm I'm excited for the success of, De- of Dead Rabbit to benefit everybody, you know, and and yeah. wrestle with these big problems because if you, you need to, we need to figure them out. You know, there's too many people dying. There's too much. There's too much toxicity, and we need to we need to figure it
1: out. I think that's really amazing. You're yeah. doing that, and it is so important. And that to have to be having those conversations, yeah. and so yeah, kudos to you for doing that because I think we need that. Yeah. and I I feel I feel. It will, should be well well receptive because i feel people want to talk and yeah. they, you know we we need to be talking a hundred percent so um and it's,
3: thankfully it's not just it's you're you're doing everybody's doing their part now and i think we've reached a point where it's like yeah. or to, to use malcolm gladwell it's a tipping point i don't know if we're at the tipping point but i think every every month or every like there's a, a, a i didn't know this guy but he was obviously part of our industry family but uh he passed away and in Miami, we're seeing again. I don't know the, the the what what happened there, but we're seeing too many people that are young passing away. Yeah. Um, and we, we we need to figure this out. You know, it's it's not good.
1: No, it's not. And but you're having these conversations and being someone you know yeah. a, a leader in the industry doing that. I think it's it's I, I give you a lot of credit, and I look forward to attending yeah. these these <laughs> events panels parties you do I did I did get a little taste of of um you're here, here was, for uh,
3: jingle jangle yeah, yeah your celebratory holiday yeah.
1: party and the I feel your space is already so warm and welcoming yeah. and fun and festive in itself but it was like so festive it was, and fabulous. it
3: was unreal we're excited to yeah so for the the listeners we launched our first ever uh, Irish Christmas pop-up if, if you will um, because we're keen to develop like a, a, a universe of Irish concepts that, that celebrate different parts of our culture. So obviously Christmas is a big part. And I don't mean Christmas within the context of religion. I'm not a religious person whatsoever, but I love the, uh, the, 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 the togetherness, the, the, the generosity, the goodwill. And uh, it's a big part of our culture in terms of coming together and uh, giving to others and, and all that type of stuff. So we wanted to showcase a bit of that and not do a kichi or a, a, a synthetic Christmas pop-up, because you're seeing a lot of that traveling all over. So we did. We, we launched it. We raised, uh, I think we raised $20,000 for another round, another rally. Who we, are doing wow. really incredible work. Amazing. Um, and we're excited to to make it even better next year. So it's, it's, it's exciting.
1: That is exciting. All right. Well, very cool. Looking forward to all that. And actually, before I well, I won't forget to mention it. But I have your your book here, The yeah. Dead Rabbit. I brought yeah. my copy in because I want to I want a sign copy because <laughs> uh, you've also done books.
3: Yeah. So we've five. I think five. So we've the Drinks Manual, which tells the story of how we got open. We have Barley to Blarney, which tells the story of the Irish whiskey distilleries and the pubs in the different provinces of Ireland, um, which is a great book. We have a book called Mixology and Mayhem. Which is about our R and D process and how we create menus. We have a book about um, the Irish coffee um, when whiskey mattered much. So the the definitive uh, story on the on the history of the Irish coffee. And I'm missing one, but oh. yeah, we've lots of books. Hi, great. So, wait, that's I'm a glad, lot. Yeah, yeah no, it's it awesome. In. I yeah. love I love my copy and um, yeah, so.
1: after the show i'm getting a signature hopefully okay (laughs) let's take a little break and we will come back and we'll play my speed round talk some industry news i have my solo dining experience and the final question so stay with us this is all in the industry on heritage radio network
2: this episode is brought to you by wisconsin cheese there's a reason when you think of wisconsin you think cheese cheese is a huge part of wisconsin's history and future In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com.
1: Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Jack McGarry, he's the managing director of. The Dead Rabbit in New York City, the world's most awarded pub. just quite <laughs> something. And we are here on location, and it's time for my speed round game. Okay. So what this is is I'm going to name a couple of things, and you get to pick your preference, awesome. such as chocolate or vanilla.
3: Cool. Is that the first one?
1: That's the test one. Okay. You can uh, answer vanilla. it if you like vanilla. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant?
3: Eat out at a restaurant.
1: Indoor dining or al fresco
3: dining. Indoor dining.
1: Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne.
3: Uh, mocktail, I guess. Yeah.
1: Mocktail.
3: Yeah. But <laughs> no one likes the word mocktail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah spurred for. I, I prefer. Spur- I think uh, Julia and came up with, spurred for or... year. Spurred
1: free, zero yeah,
3: proof. Zero, like something that's yeah. not because I think mocks like got a negative connotation to it, doesn't it?
1: It does. Anyway, yeah. No, it does, and I've I, it, that's come up on the show before yeah. when I've said it. It rhymes with cocktail, and it goes with, with I'm kind of going with the flow. Yeah. But you're not. It's not the first time yeah. um, I've considered using another yeah. word.
3: <laughs> I think I think we'll create a word ultimately that's better than that, like it rhymes with tail, but it's not mocktail. Yeah. But uh, irrespective. A yeah. cocktail is my, would be my choice. So. I
1: like seeing on menus now because a lot of menus, and yeah. I'm happy to see that they're putting zero proof sections. Yeah. Or and I always like seeing the the words they use because yeah. some of them are very creative. You know, I
3: think we use spirit free. or yeah. it, I think so.
1: Spiritless, I've seen too. Yes,
3: yeah, some. I I, I yeah. think because we have we have four drink or three or four drinks in the top room, and then the, uh, we have a hand or a handful in the parlor. And I, the guys are actually working on the uh, next part of menu, which is basically going to, the, each drink can be made with spirit or without. Um, because again, that's where, to use a hockey metaphor, that's where the puck's going. So we need, and obviously yeah. we're both, we both don't drink, but I, when I go out, I'm not a big, I don't actually drink a lot of, which is, I, I guess I'm, idiotic. I don't really go out and drink. When I go out and drink, I drink Diet Coke. Diet Coke's my thing, or, or soda water or whatever. But Yeah,
1: I've drank a lot of water and, and club soda, yeah. Um and we'll, we'll get back to the game, but I'll just, I'll say this. I'll give you, give you a little hard time. I came in here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the, the parlor. I had, I came by myself many years mm-hmm. ago. It probably was like your year, year two, let's say. Yeah. So and we definitely
3: didn't have known all You had this you.
1: giant, no, you had, you had this. You probably still have this giant book of drinks. Or we you, did. You did. Oh,
3: so you came in right at the beginning. Okay. So the, like, the menu... that the Maybe yeah, it was yeah. like
1: within the first... But anyways, it was yeah. this giant book of drinks. And there was live music, the piano, and the vibe, yeah. and everything yeah. was great. And I was so happy to be here. There was one... Non-alcoholic drink yeah. in this book, this like Bible, yeah. and that's what I got. I remember it came in a gorgeous teacup. It did, yeah. And I really enjoyed it, but if my memory serves me right. There was no, one. you're right
3: there. So we had it. <laughs> we actually had a category, and it's when you think back now, it's like it's terrible when you go back and look at your own old work because you're almost embarrassed. But our first menu was a beautiful. Piece. It was fantastic. But the actual category, I, I use categories. Yeah. yeah, I used I used. Uh, Categories of drinks pre cocktail because cocktail, as you know, is one style of drink in in the universe of mixed drinks. So when we opened, we we celebrated the punch because it's it's the the the, the drink right, that started it all. Right, right. And then we celebrated the sours and fixes and daisies, all these other drinks that came off the back of the punch, basically individualized portions of punch. But we also did a section called eggnogs, flips, and possets which, again, people knew um, about, but nobody, but everybody's like, what the hell's a faucet <laughs> and uh, what else? We did uh, Educate people. daisies with the moustache cups. Um, but to, to, to your point, the, the the non-alcoholic section, at the back of the menu, because I use I terminology that I picked up from all of the research that we did for books in the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries, and a lot of these books, when it came to the non-alcoholic part, are the parts that were, like, low alcohol. They called them diverse and in, in, invalid drinks. So that's actually what the category, the category, it was called diverse and invalid. So when I look, when I look back to that now, again, invalid, I'm like, that's very, that's very negative, you know, because you're basically invalidating somebody, like you're basically saying these are just, they're their throwaways, they're their, their token gestures, you know?
1: Well, it's interesting because we will talk about it when we, in my industry news more about this, but it's I mean, I, I stopped drinking 20 years ago, yes. so, wow. so yeah, yeah, it's been a long, it. it's been a long time yeah. that I've, and so it's very interesting to see what's happening now yeah. with people really embracing zero proof, yeah. non-alcoholic drinks yeah. and what's, and, and I'm all for it, but it's like, it's, yeah, so 10 years ago, it wasn't very common. I was probably your only customer coming or one of many few
3: coming in here. It's still not a big seller, which we, we, we add a lot of stuff in, but uh, it still doesn't sell a lot. And I don't know whether, you know, I don't really like the way the industry is going in terms of, I I don't like fragmentation because you're seeing this like non-alcoholic bars and alcoholic bars where I'm like, to me, a bar, and I'm not having to go with non-alcoholic bars because they're providing there's people that I am friends with are very triggered and like if they seen a bottle of liquor they'd be yeah. very triggered and I, I fully understand that and it's great that they have a space that they can go to and I yeah but I, I think the spirit free movement and this is happening um thankfully but I think that they're they're binary um they should be like the pub to me is a third place uh, it's a, a great book I've read by uh, uh Ray Oldenburg called a great good place he talked about the first place being the home place the second place being the workplace and then the third place is somewhere you go to rejuvenate or, or connect or socialize and some people actually church or, or the gym or but the, a lot of us it's bars and restaurants um, and that we like my whole thing with being a pub publican or a pub owner or whatever you want to call it is my, my whole philosophy is to make the table bigger so I, I, if somebody doesn't drink or for, for whatever reason I'm like and if they're not triggered, or if there's not another reason, I'm like, come on in, like, well, let's yeah. let's figure it out. So it's great that we have all of these options now, um, and and long may it continue. But we're, we're still, the we're not, that the, the you're bringing in these products, and they're not they're not moving quickly. But you still have to do it. And I believe that, as I said, the puck's going in that direction, and we need we need to keep pushing it. And like I lo- I love personally non uh, non alcoholic beers. Um, I, like, a uh, Heineken double zero when Guinness released their double zero that, cause that's like, I, I have romantic memories of drinking with my father pints yeah. of Guinness and I was able to do that the last time I was home with the, with the double zero. Um, you know, so it's, it's great that we're, we're getting to that place.
1: I agree actually with everything yeah. you said personal. I mean, personally, yeah. because, um, yeah, I know you said it very well, but I, cause I, I mean, I think it's I think it's wonderful there's now these spaces that are are alcoholic yeah. bars yeah. but I I personally still I'm good with I want to come to yeah. I want I'm good with other people drinking alcohol yeah. it doesn't mean I have to drink it, it yeah. doesn't mean they don't have to drink yeah. it we can all just be the other exactly. in, in space if you're comfortable with yeah. it so it's good yeah. it's great we there's opportunities and new spaces now yeah. and it's really it is it's a, it, I think it's it's I mean it's time yeah. you know it's it's 100%. taken a long time for this to yeah. get to where it is now but yeah. um yeah it's it's very interesting um okay well well you talk, <laughs> let me get back to the game because that was like the longest um break through the game <laughs> but hey man there's no rules no rules to the show okay um where were we we were next one is tasting menu or a la carte
3: tasting menu
1: small plates or large plates
3: uh large plates. <laughs> my wife my wife would laugh at that question because she like my wife loves sharing and I like I working in this industry for so long, as soon as food is put in front of me it evaporates. Yeah. I'm a fast eater, so small plates has never worked. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a good, good reasoning <laughs> for that. Okay. Um communal table or chef's counter?
3: Uh communal table.
1: Tipping or all-inclusive charge?
3: So I want to be an all-inclusive charge, but tipping is obviously right now, but I would like to, and that's part of the conversation we're going to have with the panel next week, I think we need to get away from tipping. Yeah. But I struggle with that because as one, like we're tipping in Dead Rabbit for full transparency because anybody that has actually tried to do this, it's just, never. It's you lose half of your team or we need to do something about it both from a, from a collective bar and restaurant side of things but also from a regu- regulatory perspective the the 8020 law in um in in New York is very difficult because you can only tip people who are directly involved in service where you can't pass a, you can't put those tips towards the back of the house so it just it creates a really unequal dyna- dynamic um, so yeah i would say all inclusive and I'm European yeah, yeah. because, and that's like I have that background, but uh but yeah, that's where we are. And I, I'm excited, and I hope ten years down the road when we have this conversation, that Dead Rabbit is an all-inclusive model. But I, I yeah. again, it's you're swimming against the tide at the moment because you're disadvantaged if you do it from a competitive standpoint. So you're like in a cat. It's a catch twenty-two. Yeah, so,
1: that's my trickiest one in this game, and it's always people have a, you know, it's a, it's, yeah. it's a, it's, it's a bigger conversation. That is, so, yeah. um, and I think people are trying, yeah. I think people want to, yeah, everyone kind of wants to find, a, it. Buy, find yeah. a better solution <laughs> and fix, fix it. And, and it's like, it's,
3: it's, yeah. it's challenging. It is. And again, I've seen Donnie Meyer. Um, I've seen a lot of great people do it and, um, That's it just, it's, 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 hard
1: yeah, but Danny
3: I, went on, back. I know, so what's the thing. And if and I know, da- and Danny's wanna, Danny, you know.
1: so I don't want to be the
3: guy that starts it and then stops yeah. it. Yeah. I want to be, like, when we're doing this healthcare stuff, when we do it, because we had to figure that out from an economic perspective, where, uh, where, are, we get, where are we finding that money to, to subsidize the, the, the healthcare so our team members are only paying 20 bucks or 30 bucks a week out of their pay, as opposed to hundreds of bucks, because they don't have... the the, they don't have crazy disposable income um so it's a big it's part of that it's part I'm excited to do all of this through the panel to be honest with you because it's I feel like our industry I, I remember when uh when we were starting to reopen again after or not after the pandemic is still here but um I remember listening to a lot of owners and saying like they can't get people and they couldn't understand why they couldn't like, thankfully, Dead Rabbit never experienced that, but they couldn't understand why they can't hire people. I'm like, well, of course I can understand. You know, they're not getting healthcare. Yeah. They got fired at the drop of a hat. They were the first one out. No job security. No benefits. No, like Amazon is offering this stuff. I'm not saying Amazon's a great comp- company, by the way, because I know if they have their own issues. But like other companies are offering this, and they're going to different industries. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening yeah, here. Yeah. You know, In the so we saw like it. it's very, yeah. it's very clear to me why it's becoming harder and harder and, and ultimately we need to change to sustain ourselves or or it's going to continue it's going to continue to be a struggle.
1: Yes, yes, conversations to, ha- yeah. to have. Okay, a few more. I have Guinness, black and tan or we'll throw in what was the, You, what's your non-alcoholic? You like the zero?
3: The Guinness Double Zero.
1: Guinness Double Zero. Yeah. I also wrote down Athletic Brewing Company, which I've tried their non-alcoholic really yeah, beers, it's and really they're good. very good.
3: Yeah. But And there's another one in the UK that's really good, Lucky Saint. They they've released a beer that's that's awesome. But um, listen, I love Guinness, so it's yeah. going to be Guinness Double Zero. But even I should uh, try that. I yeah, haven't tried it's it. really good. It's actually particularly good. On the draft. So, right now it's not on draft in America because they're still fi- they To have it on draft, you need to clean the lines every three days or four days as opposed to every two or three weeks yeah. because obviously the alcohol serves as a, it kills like yeast buildup and stuff like that. Whereas with no alcohol, it's not killing the yeast. So, the yeast, they're having difficulty stabilizing it and keeping it clean. Dead Rabbit is an extremely clean bar. So, we actually contacted and we will do whatever, like we will. Pay for somebody to come out every three days to clean that line to serve it because I think a lot of people would come to to drink the non-alcoholic, you know. You
1: got one customer here, and
3: I would be the other (laughs) customer, There you go. Just save me a stool. So we're 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 figuring it out, but the one on draft is like drinking the pint of Guinness. I I love Guinness, like I I love Guinness served well. um Even it's crazy, like I follow Guinness accounts that they there's one one handle called Beautiful Pints. And I don't, I don't drink Guinness, obviously, but I, I love the look of a perfectly poured pint of Guinness. That it, it just, it brings me right back home. You it's know?
1: a beauty. And back in the day when I did drink, I didn't yeah. drink. I, I liked beer a lot, but and I would have a black and tan or yeah. a Guinness every once in a while. And yeah. it was like, it's like, it was kind of like dessert milkshake. Yeah. Well, look, and it looks like yeah. you know the foam, milkshaking. Yeah. But um, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. <laughs> okay. My last three. I got shaken or stirred.
3: So when I drank, it was stirred, for sure. I loved martinis. Um, I particularly love martinis. I loved the fifty-fifty. That was my, my, uh, my, my day, my day-to-day cocktail. Okay. Um. So I would definitely say stirred for me personally.
1: Stirred, cheese plate of dessert.
3: Dessert all day long.
1: <laughs> Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Belfast.
3: Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Belfast. I would say, I. Oh, it's a tough one. Um, I am extremely patriotic, as I'm sure you've picked up on, and I love my hometown. Um, so I'm torn on that. Like I, 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 okay. I love Belfast, uh, but I also love I also you. love Amer- America too. Um, <laughs> for all for all the twerps and it's okay. it's idiosyncrasies. But uh, I would be it. be a Thai one. So say.
1: if I went Manhattan or Brooklyn, are you Manhattan because here?
3: Yeah, okay. same man. I've i lived my whole life in Manhattan. So or my whole American life, yeah, uh, yeah. except for I moved to. Uh, I moved to Paramus uh, last year, uh, November of last <laughs> not year, because in the game. we can't. Uh, no, <laughs> no yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be fucking crazy. <laughs> I love, I love our house, and but uh, you, uh, you couldn't like you can't bring a kid up in Manhattan unless you're like a multimillionaire, which I'm, which I'm definitely not. Yeah. Nor, nor do I really want to be either. I don't really. I love that we have a, a back garden and a detached house, and the kids have plenty of room. So, um, so I'm glad to still be close enough to consider myself a New Yorker, but far enough away that I don't have to live in the madness every day.
1: All good reasons. Okay. That's the game.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: But, you know, it's, it's like, it's so good talking to you. And, and uh, the, the article I had for industry news was related to what we've been talking about. This just came out in the Guardian and it's entitled liquor stores are so 2019 welcome to the age of the non-alcoholic bottle shop and this was by lois beckett so this i mean this this article particularly was talking about what's happening in los angeles with these zero proof bottle shops opening and um we've been seeing it i mean in new york and and the place mentioned new york isn't well bosan there's a couple but the one and it's mentioned in this article bosan is um they've they've been expanding rapidly and it's a beautiful non-alcoholic uh, spirit store and yeah. it, they have so many i mean it just the what well, the market is exploding it's with crazy. the amount of it's products crazy, now yeah. available yeah. um that do not have booze in them that i i feel i'm i feel as someone that doesn't drink like i'm behind in trying
3: oh absolutely <laughs> so many and i love i love the proliferation of products because i feel like the new generation of the normal uh, industry are not trying to be a non-alcoholic vodka or a non-alcoholic gin or whiskey. They're trying to create flavors and experiences that are unique in and of themselves. Um, we work a lot with a company, uh, I think they're based in England, uh, three spirits and they, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they don't really try to be like a non-alcoholic vermouth or a non-alcoholic So I think it's uh, uh, there's pros and cons. Cause obviously non-alcoholic beer, like I, I would be hypocritical cause I just have wax lyrical about, it's right. double zero, but it's very difficult, I think, saying non-alcoholic gin. Do you know, it's very, I haven't, I, ha, I don't I haven't tried products that like, like it's gin, that, that what makes spirits to spirit is that viscosity and the alcohol component. Whereas I, a lot of these new entrants that are coming in and they're just being themselves as opposed to trying to be in a non-variant of something. It's the same, I was vegetarian and vegan for two years and I, I didn't get these non, like the meat thing. Yeah. I'm like, you either do it or you're like, but again i'm also a very extreme thinker so
1: well i feel and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like when seed lip was introduced yeah. it was sort of marketed that way as yeah. being i don't, I don't use re, a replacement but yeah. kind of gin like yeah. but non-alcoholic yeah you know i think
3: so yeah but and I, I i think they're all moving towards well most of them are moving towards like they are what they are yeah. and they can stand on their own two some feet. Some are like
1: ready-to-drink yeah. products yeah. and yeah. then some are mixers, like yes. your Gia yeah or, I mean, there's, there. I have tried, I mean, as there's just, it's been an explosion yeah. and I have tried quite a few, but there's also been a lot of celebrities getting in the yeah, game. Yeah, crazy, yeah. Um, they was, always
3: come in at some point.
1: Yeah, I was just <laughs> out the other night and I had the ginger beer that I didn't realize it was um, Blake Lively's. Um, right. And it was, it was re- very nice. And
3: somebody's doing one, uh, we got, uh, Kin is from one of these, uh, Um, models. uh, Katie,
1: um, Katie Perry has yeah. something, yeah. um,
3: I think everybody, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, oh yeah,
1: yeah, I think, uh, Bella had Bella yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: So it's just, it's crazy, but I mean, they're perfect people to promote the product, obviously. Yeah, honestly, but, and uh, I've heard good things yeah, about,
1: yeah. um, I want to try Katie Perry's, yeah. what yeah. she has. I heard, I mean, it's. I mean, I'm not, it's I, having the celebrity background, um, or, you know, be a celebrity definitely, definitely helps yes, in getting your yeah, marketing 100%. out there. Um but, 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 um, but the product also but, has
3: to stand on its own two feet. Yeah, exactly. You know? so, Cause you, like a yeah. and there's products like that, that actually do stand on their own two feet. So I'm fully uh, supportive of, of those types of things. And obviously you're penetrating mainstream media when these people are throwing their weight behind it. So I think ultimately it's a it's a step in there. It's like, even though we, we ha- like that whole, like, uh, obsessing, obsessive nature of celebrities in America it still mystifies me, but, um, if it's, if it, if it continues a the conversation, then it's yeah. ultimately a good thing.
1: You don't have that as much in, in Ireland? I think, I, I think mean, it's, I think it's, I think it's
3: universal. Um,
1: yeah, probably. But, it, but
3: America, it seems to be like a, like it's a, it fetishes, like these mm-hmm. people are putting these crazy, do you know, just people. Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: No, it's, it's, it's just because it's you made a great song, you that. made a
3: great song, or you're in a good movie or something. It doesn't give you anything. To me, that's not doesn't give you any platform. It's all about how you use the platform. Yeah. Um, and I'm long in it like I've been in this industry now. What am I, 34? So I'm in this industry not far off 20 years myself, and I've met a bunch of these people. And some, like to be fair, some of them are really good people, but there's a lot of assholes. I'm sorry to be crude.
1: No, but I didn't realize about your age. So you started. You
3: opened at 24, Dead Rabbit-ish. Dead Rabbit, I, we opened at
1: 23. 23? 23. Oh, yeah. see. Wow. Yeah. That's I won, amazing. I won the Tales of the Award 23.
3: Watch. Yeah. But 20 I, I don't... Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't... I, I, I think it's a good thing and a bad thing. As soon as something... And I'm sure if you spoke to some of my colleagues at the leadership team, it drives them nuts. Um, because as soon as something is achieved, it's like... And it's it's a weakness. It's a, like I, it's something I have to work on. But I I like great right, cool done, and then I go straight towards the, the next thing. So I, I struggle in moments to sit down and go, that's pretty cool. You should be proud. Like I don't do pat patting myself on the back yeah. well. You know, which I think you should. Uh, there should be. Um, I need to get better at making space from saying like, well, like, great job. But uh, it's not something I'm strong at. Being, <laughs> yeah, but
1: being I don't know being humble and being like I mean you're. You're proud of all your accomplishments, yeah. but you're not, you're not like, I, being, a, being someone who brags, I don't yeah. think is, is, is like the best no. quality to have. So yeah. stay, keep doing it. Yeah, work. we're all works you in just progress. Just win all the awards, but like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, okay. A couple of things. So I just, I, while we were talking about this subject, I just make note of a couple of other articles that people want to check out on liquor.com. There was an article called, can sobriety make a better bartender? Uh, for many in the industry, taking stock of their drinking habits has improved not just their personal but their professional lives. And that was by Carolyn Hatchett. There was another article in the New York Times entitled Dry January New Bars Catered to the Sober Curious, which was what yeah. we were talking about. Um, and this, you know, I forget, I, for- I forget in my career things I've done. I've written a few articles along the way. And I went back just the other night and I found it on my computer. In 2009, I wrote a piece for Food and Beverage magazine, and it's entitled, Are We Done Mocking Mocktails? <laughs> and in it, I, I have quotes from Ryan Majerian, from Tony Abuganan, from Joaquin Simo. Like, I was, I remember going to death in company, and like, I don't know, I was on a mission Amazing. to kind of talk about mocktails, yeah. and to, but no, people weren't ready. yeah. For my piece yeah, well, but back i two, i did write that in 2009 i
3: remember the type of <laughs> drinks that you were probably ubiquitous back then were like a homemade ginger beer or a cucumber and lemon do you know what's that yeah. i'm so glad now that we're past the point where there's a level of consideration and consciousness is going towards spirit-free drinks or non alcohol yes. whatever you're calling them that, that would go to an alcohol drink so that's that it, putting everything else aside the fact that there's that deliberateness. I think is phenomenal. I think one hundred percent,
1: and and also you you talked a bit about the bottom line, or like what sells. But I am so much more likely if I see a a a well thought out drink on a on a cocktail, you know, non alcoholic list um, that someone put the time in, and and uh, as as a drink of choice, I will more likely. To order that, than to be for a bartender to be like, oh well, I can I can make you something, yeah. which I've done in the past, and it's just those can be hit or miss because yeah. they're winging it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and the
3: drinks are always fair. It's with these other spirits now they. We can use the, the the new ingredients to replace the base spirit, and use the same formulas to make cocktails so tasty. Whereas before. Seedlip or before Three sprouts or before the, the, the mountain of other uh, brands, the multitude of other brands, the what bartenders did was basically double the amount of citrus and double the amount of sugar, and yeah. the drinks were just the so balance. heavy. They were so heavy. So yeah. it's it's I'm with you. It's it, it, it's it's phenomenal that we're in a place now where you can you can look at a menu and go, yes, that's somebody that's actually trying trying to do something good there. Um, so it's good, and I'm excited to see it continue to develop.
1: Yeah. Me too. I have another tie in to, to this conversation. I have a special offer for my listeners, and it's from my friends at Curious Elixirs, which is a booze free craft elixirs and spirits infused with herbs and adaptogens to help you or your guests unwind and improve your bottom line. So you can get a free sample box of Curious Elixirs on their website, curiouselixirs.com, with the code All in the Industry, all one word, all caps. And um, this is good for the first 100 people to use it for 100% off of your first purchase. And um, it's a free tasting flight of Curious, which I'm a huge fan of. And um, go check it out. Uh, just go to curiouselixirs.com So there you go. And one more announcement. It's the 14th Annual Taste Awards. And this show, my show, All in the Industry, has been nominated for three Taste Awards. The Viewer's Choice for Best Food or Drink Radio Broadcast, Viewer's Choice for Best Food or Drink Podcast, and Viewer's Choice for Best Single Topic Series. Woo-hoo! That's so, awesome. <laughs> thank you. So, if um, you, uh, y- you know, you're a viewer, or a listener, I should say, so... If you get a chance, I would appreciate it if you can go vote. And um, the link is on, if you go to my my Instagram page, at All Industry, um, there's a link to it. And voting goes through fe- February 17th. And these are, yeah, these are viewers' choice, listeners' choice. So um, I would appreciate any support because it would be fun to win. <laughs> <Best> <laughs> there of, you go. Best of luck. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so um, time for my solo dining experience. So this week it's at the Four Horsemen. Here's the rundown. The location, 295 Grand Street, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York City. The concept, it's a restaurant and wine bar serving small plates on a constantly evolving menu in a, in snug digs. It's known for its world-renowned natural wine list, speaking of other <laughs> products in the industry. Have you been to The I before, actually Horseman? have been
3: to this place. I, used to, I lived in Williamsburg for uh, for one year. I tried, I left Manhattan for a year. And I uh, went to Brooklyn thinking that it would be more uh, uh, financially friendly, and I ended up spending more money in Williamsburg than oh, I did in Athens, So,
1: Yeah, well, this place, I mean, so so why did I go? Well, it's been a, it's been a few years since I went, and yeah. it's a popular industry place, and I, I felt due to go back. The owners are LCD Sound Systems' James Murphy, his wife, Christina Topsoy, natural wine expert Katrina Birchmeyer and wine director Justin Cherneau. So there, I remember when they opened, they had, I mean, because celebrity yeah. connection there, yeah. like got, a, got got some press on that. So my experience, so this was about a week ago on a Friday. I, I went out to Williamsburg. I kind of made a day of it. I went first to K- Kafar for lunch, which is at the Hoxton Hotel. And this is Michael Solomonoff and the Bocos uh, restaurant group's um, new spot. And I'd been to Kafar in Philly and it was great. So I wanted to go and um, I had lunch there and Michael was there and Michael's in my upcoming book, Chef Wise. And so it was really cool. I got to see him. And then I worked from the lobby all day after. And then I walked over to uh, the Four Horsemen, which is more in the south part of Williamsburg. And it's a very hard place to get into. They take reservations, but it's like every time I've looked, there's none out, yeah. available. And as a solo person, I don't even think they take them for single diners. So walk-in is the way to go. And yeah. I, my timing was good. Someone had just gotten up from the bar. They have, like, this little bar up front, like the Horseshoe Bar, um, which is – it's a small restaurant. Yeah. So, like, half the restaurant's the bar yeah, up front. Yeah, I remember the, in the small. It
3: was small, yeah.
1: And a little open kitchen. Yeah. So a spot opened up. I took it. And I had a nice time. I had dinner. So I'll tell you what I got. I got – they had a non alcoholic wine called Murray Yamil, which I hadn't had before. A beautiful bottle, and it said raspberry, smoked rhubarb, and sparkling. And I loved it. That's awesome. I loved it. I looked it up online. It is on, on stores like Bosan, and yeah. it, it was be something I would definitely have at home. Um, so that was cool. They introduced that to me. And then to eat, I got the Cape Cod scallop, which had leche de. Tegre and daikon radish. I got monkfish liver, liver with Niboshi dashi, onion, agrigolce, and horseradish. I got a celery salad, which is like the second time on this podcast <laughs> I've been talking about celery salads because I had one out in Oakland. Celery salad is becoming like my new favorite thing. Wow. It's yes, good. I, I'm not well, a big
3: lover of celery, so... It's
1: me either, but it's like, it doesn't sound, I don't think it sounds very like... Yeah like jump off the page i need to get
3: yeah
1: but they like shave this cheese on top it's really quite but delicious I I cheese I've now yeah, had but, two... cheese,
3: I'm in. but my, my yeah. wife every morning she uh juices celery so it's like that's what i just oh, okay. I don't have a
1: great <laughs> okay well maybe skip that yeah. but the other things i got and the thing the then i got dessert i got the sticky toffee pudding with soft oh, whipped cream and i have to say to die for like i i took the rest I didn't finish it. I took it home with me, and the next day, with coffee and my Amazing. breakfast, I had the rest so a of my cake.
3: Uh, I'm a sticky toffee connoisseur, so I'll definitely have. Oh to my go god, you it. have to try it!
1: Yeah. Honestly, it was one of my favorite desserts that I can the remember. The Huntsmore does
3: a beautiful uh, sticky toffee pudding. Oh, good I don't to know. know if you a I've been there once. Yeah, I've been the, there once. The, the sticky toffee. Well, they're they're a British. That's like yeah, a British yeah. dish. Um, so their their one's one of the best I've, I've tasted. But I'll definitely go and try try your one. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, you should try it. And my whole meal was great. I would say. Of the, uh, the sa- of the savory stuff, the the scallop, which was a be- beautifully presented on a scallop shell, um it was it was like a crudo, but it was it was just amazing. so fresh and delicious. The girls sitting next to me, like they were finishing their dinner, and they ordered a second one at like the end no of way. their dinner. It
3: was that like <laughs> that's so that's amazing. That amazing.
1: It was funny. It was funny. I heard them doing that, and I had ordered it, and I was like, yeah, it was really it must good. Be good. So- yeah, so it was a, it was a great dinner. Um the ambiance as I said it's 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 a cozy tight space. It's got this bar up front and seats in the back. It has um some ledges, like a ledge along the side and ledge in front at the window with some seats. And so um it's cozy. It's and it's a great spot to go solo or I say on a date, you know, or I know some of my friends who've been with a larger group or four or five and yeah. then you can get a reservation and it could be fun, but it's, it's not a Restaur- big restaurant. So yeah. it's kind of hard. It's, it's hard to get in. So going solo works. Uh, interesting tidbit. Uh, they had received one Michelin star and a James Beard award, which more on that in a minute. And um, I read that Murphy designed this space kind of like it was a recording studio with the uh, Scandinavian minimalistic touch and cedar, slates in the wood and so kind of I don't know with his making the sound like uh, I don't know something with the sound making it great sound (laughs) okay that's all I'll say like butchering that okay personal fun fact so this last last year I went to the James Beard Foundation Awards I covered them did my red carpet interviews it's all on episode 328 and I went and when I was in the press room media room um Justin Cherno from, who's their wine director and partner, uh, they won that this last year for the outstanding wine program. Wow! And I interviewed him, and it's on this episode I did. So I, I yeah, so I have a little connection with the restaurant. It's amazing <laughs> they won. They won for the best. So three
3: hundred. How many episodes have you done? Three hundred and.
1: You're three forty-seven. Wild! That's wild. For <laughs> I just that's keep going. Incredible. Yeah, I started that's in two thousand fourteen. Big congratulations! That's awesome. <laughs> that's amazing
3: that's amazing thank
1: you it. thank you okay just to wrap this up the cost was $91 uh, not including tax and gratuity would I go back yes the website is dot com and Instagram at 4 there you go um awesome. yeah natural wines I feel I mean I know we talked this whole show about not drinking alcohol yeah but what's your take on natural wines because I feel there's two there's two parties there's
3: the lovers and the haters <laughs> I, I don't okay. I don't I'm not a big uh, my specialization in terms of liquor uh, knowledge is definitely Irish whiskey but <coughs> listen my my whole philosophy is uh if there's a demand for something put it on the menu and if it if, uh, you know I I don't really have any for for I don't know I, I, if, if you're asking me an honest question I think the wine industry is very it has a lot of pretentiousness about it when I particularly at the higher ends of it. <clears throat> and it's the same actually with the Irish whiskey industry. When you go, when your knowledge becomes so vast, it all these like crazy, like people get crazy over this stuff. So, but I, my whole right. thing is like, if, if, if you love it, fill your boots, you know?
1: Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I put you on the spot with that, yeah. but no, good answer.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. So yeah. time for the final question. So my next guest, as I alluded to at the beginning of the show is chef and owner Selassie Atadika of Meduna, which is a nomadic dining concept in Ghana, Africa, featuring what she calls new African cuisine. She's also known for her artisanal handcrafted chocolates using Ghanaian cocoa, and featuring the flavors and essences of Africa. Jack, can you please ask a question for Selassie?
3: That sounds incredible, what she's doing. My question would be, how do how do how do I get to your restaurant?
1: (laughs) I (laughs) I like that. It's in Ghana. Yes.
3: Amazing. Yeah, Yeah. that would be my question. I'd love to. I've been to Zambia um, and South Africa, but I've never been to the Ghana. Yeah, how can I get in? All
1: (laughs) right, I'll find out. I haven't been. I've met. I've met her in person at conferences i first met her at the mad conference in copenhagen and then i saw her a couple months ago at in um at napa the world sounds incredible
3: what she's doing so yeah her chocolate and
1: and everything she's doing so i'm very excited to talk with her um i think she's we're doing it we're doing it remotely we're doing it remotely i think she's calling in from africa which will be the first for me
3: again my big question i guess would be about the ethical nature of chocolate production because i think we're i 've only started learning about this myself I didn't realize that chocolate production similar to coffee was was, was a, a lot of these industries were uh, were exploit exploitive um so it's i'm I'd be intrigued to hear her thoughts on on that and how that's developing and changing because again I only learned about it through uh, they've got that tony's chocolate chocolate lonely or the the American chocolate brand um and they talked about the ethical nature of their chocolate production and and that type of stuff, I actually read into it, and there's a lot of literature about how the chocolate industry is—is is, again, is, it, 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 there's a lot of these injustices that are in the, the the supply chain, and and I think we've learned about all this through the pandemic. So I'd be keen to hear her thoughts on on that. Cool, I will
1: find out. Yep. Great, I'll find out both yeah. your, <laughs> answers to your questions. Um, and that's the show. I I feel I would. Kind of went over how much time I usually do for these shows, but I could talk with you, I think, all day. Oh, uh, this is great. Thank
3: you. And, and ditto.
1: Um, thank you. Congratulations on everything. I look forward to seeing what happens over the next 10 plus years and longer <laughs> and all the above. And yeah, just congratulations. Yeah, on I look all. forward
3: to being on episode, what it be 700 at that point?
1: Yeah, <laughs> possibly, and 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 when I I'm hoping to get out to Ireland soon too, and Amazing. um, I'll I might be asking for some recommendations. Amazing. Well, we have many
3: of them.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you well, do.
3: Thank you very much for thank having
1: you. Me. My guest today has been Jack McGarry. He's the managing director of the Dead Rabbit, New York City. His website is deadrabbitnyc.com, and you can follow him at jackmcgarry one, like the number one and at Dead Rabbit NYC, You can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllintheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at Radio network.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. My new book, Chef Wise Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World, with the publisher Fiden, is coming out this spring, and it's now available for pre-order at Fiden.com or Amazon.com. Please check it out if you'd like. And um, you could, when you go to these sites, uh, just you could type in Chef Wise, all one word, and or my name, and you should be able to find it. So thank you. And um, thanks to my engineer today, Armin. Thanks again to Jack. Thanks to his team here at the Dead Rabbit. And thanks to his publicist, Gia. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with a new show. Hope you'll tune in then. And thank you, as always, for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Bye. <music>